What's up, folks? This is Justin, and you are listening to the Welcome to Your Doom Show. This is episode number 38, and Uthel and I are reviewing the 2019 film Hellboy, not to be confused with any of Del Toro's previous films. Overall, eh, it's not doing too good on Rotten Tomatoes right now. There's a reason for that. The movie's not that great. It's a lot of pacing problems, but we'll let us tell you about that in the episode. Keep in mind, we don't actually talk about anything spoiler-related until like 20 minutes into most of these episodes. So if you really need to figure out whether or not you want to go and see this film, you can check out a little bit of the episode. But as soon as we start saying we're going to jump into spoilers, you might want to halt if you hadn't seen it yet. In any case, thanks for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. Wherever you're listening, please rate and uh, comment. That helps us out. And on YouTube, if you're not subscribed, we are at youtube.com slash welcome to your doom. Subscribe, like, comment, do all that social media e crap. Because um, as I said, it helps us out. Anywho, let's get to the episode. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to your doom. You sound really somber. (laughs) Jesus Christ. We are your harbingers of doom. My name is Atul. I'm a harbinger of doom. You are a harbinger harbinger of sadness sadness and sleep, I guess, (laughs) or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm Justin. What's up? I definitely... uh, You still feeling yesterday? Yeah, oh yeah. Fucking sports uh, fan over here? I wore the Raptors gear to commemorate yesterday. You went to a a Raptors game. I went to a Raptors game yesterday. You went to a shit show of Raptors game. It was a bit of a rough go. Um, but, but, you know, for me, I was like still looking forward to going out after, after the game. I went with my brother and, uh, I made him promise. I'm like, even if they lose, we're still going to go out and have fun. But he was just a, he was a real Debbie Debbie Downer Downer. after it was all done. And I'm trying to like, I'm like doing everything, but you know, being on a unicycle and juggling to get this guy ramped up. And I thought, you know, let's get let's get a little booze, and you know, we'll we'll lighten lighten things up, and you know, more more dragon, more depressing things got. It um, was hilarious because your cousins, I well, uh, your cousins, we were trying to get them over it too. They kept bringing it back up. They yeah. tried to change the topic. Yeah. Yo, what would you do with thirty million dollars? I'd hit a set, one out of seven shots. Above yeah. I was like, Jesus cool. Christ, that's Lowry's salary. Wait, I'm like, wow, I really Awkward. tried to, I really tried to. To get away from that, but anyway, we ended up going to a few bars after, so I'm still feeling it. You probably hear it in my voice a little bit, but I, I generally had a good time. So yeah, it was fun. Um, we just got back from Hellboy. Oh which hell yeah, we did. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just one of a few puns. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Is there I, anything else you wanted to talk about, or no, we just dive right in? Let's dive right in. Let's get to the let's get to the gist of this. This poor yeah. movie is getting lambasted. <laughs> On fucking the lambasted. Is it lambasted? I think it's lamb. I, I always pronounce it as lambasted, but uh, l- lambasted just means, sounds, it sounds like, like you're you're oh, cooking a sounds, turkey. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A little bit more than the, it needs to be. Put, no, uh, this thing is getting skewered on Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's sitting. The last I looked at fifteen percent. Yeah. Well, so this poor fellow is not getting a lot of love. And frankly, well, I. What? Are we jumping in? I was just going to talk a little bit okay, about yeah, the yeah. movie yeah, at yeah. a high level. Frankly, sure. I don't get it. Um, I don't think this movie. I don't think this movie is particularly great. But I also will say it's not a fifteen percenter, in my opinion. 
Yeah, I, th- I think I pretty much agree with you. Well, so let's let's dive in. Do it. All right, folks, slap on your evil Nazi 3D glasses. Let's dive into Hellboy 2019, a movie so rated R that I'm legitimately surprised the right hand of doom wasn't used for some sort of carnal pleasure. <laughs> wants you to know that it's a rated R movie. Yeah, from the very from get-go. From the get-go. The first shot is like a crow eating an eyeball yeah. right out of its socket out of a very, very disgusting-looking Cadaver, corpse. yeah. And um, yeah, and I think that's one of the one of the problems with the movie. I think I'll, I'll start with some of the positive stuff, stuff that I actually like. In general, I agree with you. I don't think this movie is like the trash fire people are making it no. sound like. But, uh, but it's not a particularly... A good movie, but yeah. it, but uh, but it's not it's not. I think there's stuff to enjoy here. What, uh, what would you say is enjoyable? Uh, the creature design. I thought the creature design was really really creative uh, and well done. Like uh, there's uh, there's a, a a man pig mm-hmm. and a man boar in this movie. And then I wasn't sure. Sometimes it looked like it was practical. Sometimes it is almost similar to what they did with Wink. Yeah. In Hellboy Two, although not to that extent of animatronics. Right. Um, but but I did like what they because he seemed very there were certain scenes toward the end where he did not seem as lifelike and organic but when he's first introduced I was very I was kind of happy with how that character turned out and he talks too so it's like it's not just a one and done thing it's a character that appears uh, a lot during the movie he gets too much to do in my opinion yeah he's he's a lot to do and. He, the thing I would take away from the movie is that he looks a lot like Wink. He looks a lot like Wink. He's in the same kind of role as Wink, except they tried to give him an interesting backstory, which just distracted from the film. I'm like, yeah. fuck off. I don't care. Let him be the evil henchman that just is there. I don't need his backstory. I uh, Yeah. So so just purely on, on creature design, I thought that that was... Mm. That was pretty good. I thought Hellboy's makeup was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I thought, you know, David Harbour, his look, the look he had was was quite good. I, I particularly liked the eyes, what they did with the eyes. That's, um, you know, I, I thought that was better than what, you know, like Del, Del Toro had done on the previous two movies. Uh, and in particular, the makeup and the creature design. I think Baba Yaga was the witch, like one of the, I guess she's one of the few witches in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, the really was, witchy witch. Yeah. She, like, she was incredible. I yeah. thought that she was super well done. And I don't, I don't know how they did some of the stuff that they did, but they're, you know... Uh, Extreme, like really unsettling, great character, like a good character. I think, like, yeah. uh, so when she was on screen, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's cool, and I, I enjoyed that. And the giants, I actually like the giants, and there's a there's a there's a there's a fight with some giants in there. So so there's, there's a lot of good creature design in this movie, a lot of uh, creative stuff, um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of what I liked. Like some of the visuals were very cool. Yeah, um, and I think there were some cool things in the plot, but it's just the movie is just all over the place, that's and the, that's really the big problem. That's with a this huge, thing. huge problem. Yeah. This movie felt like I think it was two two ten, let's say roughly about two hours and ten minutes long. It felt longer than it, it felt was. longer. Yes, and it was moving at a pace of breakneck speed and doesn't give you a minute to absorb anything. That's true. And it's going, it's whizzing through things and characters so fast that you barely develop any connection to them. Frankly, so when you're bringing up John Wick, um, no. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see. No, so yeah, when you're bringing up Baba Yaga, 
you, it's interesting you hit on that because she was the mo- one of the most interesting characters in the film yeah, for me too. She was. And she's given very little to do. I would have rather you get rid of the whole Blood Queen angle and kind of have her be the, be the one villain. in the background. Like yeah. there's so that's the thing is you you whiz past her. Then you have the blood stories, frankly, pretty interesting yeah. origin. Yeah. But then you've also you're divert you're um you're having a lot of screen time be devoted to this fucking rocksteady character, or Bebop or whatever <laughs> yeah, Bebop. one he is. Yeah. And it's there's just so many elements, so many characters going on on the screen. You're whizzing from scene to scene, and it's like, why? There's just so much movie. This could have been broken up into two movies that are way more digestible by the general Absolutely. audience. This it's like they, they were very concerned with world building here. Yeah. It's like that was their first goal was like, let's lay the groundwork for this this world. But the movie suffers for it. But it's also clear that this movie has been chopped up. Yes. It's been edited. This is like, there's some suicide squad levels of like episodic editing in yeah. this movie. And this movie felt like three or four episodes of a TV show uh, joined together unceremoniously, yeah. I might add. And uh, it's just an editing pacing nightmare. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we I was reading a little bit about um, Neil Marshall is a director that we both really like. Yeah. I, I, you know, he's done, he's done uh, one of what I think is one of the greatest visceral horror movies ever made in The Descent, which is a fantastic horror film, mm-hmm. a really lean, mean uh, horror film, but he also did Dog Soldiers, which we're you know we're both big fans yeah. of. Um, and he did a movie uh, called Centurion, which was also quite good. Mm-hmm. So he's he's on a roll, and then he directed a lot of episodes of Game of Thrones, and and the, typically like the larger the larger ones. So so he's a he's a capable director, and I was very excited to hear that he got the reins to this movie right. when it first came out. And then we heard that it was a rated R movie. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's great because Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy is just that. It's Guillermo del Toro's head- yeah. Hellboy. That's like Tim Burton's Batman. You know, that is Tim Burton's Batman. That's not really. Let's you know. That's there. There's a. There's an. There's a visual. Sorry. There's a. There's someone with a, a vision. Yes. And they took something and they made it their own. Yeah. Right. Which is which is totally fine because I like both. I like both of those movies, Hellboy one and two. But if you read the comics, they're not. They're not, it's it's not the same tone, right. and that's actually totally fine. And I like the fact that there's a different take on it. Yeah, uh, where his you know Del Toro's was more whimsical and a little more, you know, fairy tale ish. Um, this movie when they first came when Neil Marshall first came on, they're like they're going to bring it back to the tone of the books, and I'm like that's cool because there's like this gothic horror element to the books that really didn't all those other movies didn't touch on. This movie is not that. No, it's not this like gothic, uh, uh, this really gothic ornate tone to it. It's they swung the pendulum in some weird rated R adventure movie direction. Yeah, where that's not. It's also no closer to the tone of the comics. No, even though it's more violent, and the comics are pretty violent, but it just it's it's weird. And I haven't read a Hellboy comic in a long time. But I've read like the 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 plague of frogs and like the first few trades for Hellboy, and I really do. I, the tone was so important to those, like, and this movie misses the mark too, like on that. So I just wanted to lay out like a lot of people are like, oh, this is more like the comic books. In my opinion, like I said, I haven't read one in a long time. It's still not a lot like the comic books, even it though it felt they like had... a comic book in terms of the way they paced the movie. That'll <laughs> yeah. say, yeah, because it's jumping from fucking scene to scene without very yeah. much. Like, it's just it. It's an editorial mess. It's an editorial yeah. mess, is, is what um, we're saying. And yeah. uh, David Harbour as Hellboy, he, David, he sounds like a drunk uncle 
the entire movie. Right. And then later he upgrades to a drunk uncle that doesn't have an indoor voice. Right. He's just yelling that entire movie, and he's also manages to be unintelligible. Yes. Like half the time. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with his line delivery, but I did not like it. You know I did what? not like. He, it's like he was doing the ADR with the makeup still on his yeah. face. Yeah. Like I don't know what it is, but it's like it's like trying to wear a mouth guard and talk. Yeah. That's what it sounded like. I'm like, why does he sound like like he's had a few too many all the time? It, it, it reminded me very much of when the vampires would have their teeth in Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer, and it just sometimes. <laughs> that's why most of them they wouldn't speak because it was just shitty prosthetics that yeah. they couldn't talk. But like when Angel had it or Spike had it or one yeah. of those characters, you could tell it was a little different. But they did a good job with it for the most part. Yeah. This one didn't. He Harbor sounded like he was fighting with his prosthetics the whole time. Yeah. They looked great. They looked great. They didn't sound great. Yeah, yeah, and and that and that really. That was one of the things that kept coming back because yes. I couldn't get used to it. Yeah. Because where Ron Perlman's delivery, we had this. He has this low growl, but also super intelligible. Like yeah. I can hear what he's saying. Right. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, this movie, he just sounds, uh, uh, yeah, slurry. Slurry. Like everything's very slurred, and uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that. Looked great, and I think some of the like his some of the lines, some of the beats with the character are good, mm-hmm. but it's just the delivery really kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, yeah. Those, I mean, without going into spa- into spoilers, the biggest, the or biggest spoilers, spoilers. The, the the two things I really took away was that Harbor needed to learn how to speak with his prosthetics better, or they need to adjust that because that was pretty bad. And the fact that the pacing was just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's a total it, nightmare. This, this too many movie characters. Is hard to watch. Like I, I, I would be hard pressed to recommend somebody to go and see this in the theater. To be honest. Yeah. And honestly, it sucks that you know I, I don't like having to compare things to previous versions of it and say mm-hmm. oh it's not as good as that but to me this just wasn't it's definitely different and it's just not as much it's not as engaging it's not as much fun and it just doesn't hit the mark like the del toro films did for me i agree but if it's you look at and i think that's a, that's a there's a huge factor here neil marshall neil marshall capable director yeah. But what's happened here is that a couple of stories have come out since the movie has come out talking about like studio interference, yeah. talking about Harbor, David Harbor and Neil Marshall not getting along on set. Um, and and uh, the studio firing, I think, Neil Marshall's DP that he's been working with for a long time. I think it was his DP. And just to prove to Marshall like who's in control of this set. Yeah. And Marshall... Uh, for big movies like this, typically you see the directors also doing some PR, right? So any big, like this is a re- this is a pretty large movie. So like Shazam, for example, there are yeah. a couple interviews with the director, are like you know Marvel movies will have interviews with directors and stuff. Neil Marshall is nowhere to be found. He's not doing any PR. He's not he's not doing any interviews, mm-hmm. nothing, and I think that's very telling about what's happened to this movie. And uh, probably put together by the studio, he didn't get final cut. Probably uh, he didn't. I'm entirely sure he didn't get final cut. Like the same way, I'm entirely sure that Suicide Squad isn't isn't David Ayer's final cut. Because like you watch that movie and it's like a schizophrenic mess, yeah. right? And this movie is obviously has some of the same problems. So it's stitched together by you know committee. Like, like committee, yeah. and it feels it feels like that. Unfortunately, there are some seeds of good ideas, and I'm sure there's a good movie in there. 
I think Marshall probably had a good movie, but then it got chopped to ribbons. Yeah, and uh, or an entertaining one at least, like one that was that didn't feel so broken. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, but yeah, so like Del Toro has full control over his movie Hellboy, a singular vision. Yeah, and it comes out the way he wants it to come out. But well, this movie, obviously, the end product wasn't the product of someone's vision. Right, it was the product of committee. When they had originally announced that they were going to be doing another Hellboy film, Del Toro was attached to it to some degree, but he wasn't. I he was, was either he? he was. He, I don't. I think he was directing, but he didn't have creative control over the writing process. Like basically, they they had taken the reins back, and as soon as I think it was Ron Perlman heard about. When they were talking to Ron Perlman about that, he's like, it's either all Del Toro's movie or nothing. Right, like, That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. And then they ended up backing it out, and that's when Neil Marshall and, yeah. Neil Marshall, Neil Marshall and yeah. David Harbour uh, got brought in. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah. yeah and that's not to say that there's nothing to like about this movie. It's actually, like, if you're a monster movie fan, and I am, like, I found some of this movie to be quite entertaining. Yeah. Um, like I said, the creature design is is on is up there. There's some, there's some uh, big monster movie moments. And... Um, it's just not. It's just not well put together. It's just mechanically doesn't work. Yeah. The uh, the other thing I wanted to point out as a negative too was the score for this movie. This movie is, like I said, it's trying so hard to be rated R. Everything is loud yeah. about this movie. It's so obnoxious. Like it gets to the point where I'm like, I just can't. The music choices in some of these big, I like the giant, like there's, there's, you know, I'm not really ruining anything. He fights a couple of giants you see in the trailer and it's a cool scene, but it's like every one of these action scenes is undercut by some like generic rock song. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Like why? And that this is where I'm talking about. Like you're talking about bringing it back to the tone of the comics. The comics have a, this quiet appeal. Like mm-hmm. that's what I would try to call it. There's moments of gothic grandeur, and it's like these are quiet moments, right? Right. These are gothic horror moments. None of that is here. This no. is a loud, obnoxious movie, and the musical choices yeah. like cement that. And it's it was like, really annoying. It's like formulaic action movie bullshit. Like yeah, it's the same kind of stuff that you'd imagine. Like Iron Man two, I felt like had kind of a lot of that kind of just throwing in formula, kind of like action movie rock songs and shit. Yeah, it's I'm almost like, like hey. the nineties, like yeah, the late nineties. Like they, they just have these generic rock songs yeah. playing, you know. And I'm like, you don't, you can't do that to this. This movie, this this property is, is too unique to slap that shit all over it. Or I, if you just, do it, do it well. You can't like that's the thing is it seemed slapping that shit on is a good way to put it because yeah. it felt tacked on it felt like in it sometimes yeah it made sense but then at other times it's like well we just did this why are we doing this again yeah. do we need this yeah and the score is is uh, oof like I can't I was we, you know we stayed till after the credits so I heard a good sample of the score without any sound effects or anything mm-hmm. and it's it's obnoxious and that stuff sticks out to me because I like listening to scores for movies we and, always comment on yeah. it every movie yeah exactly it's good or it's bad but we always comment on it because we notice it and yeah. this one yeah this one this one was actually for me noticeably not noticeable the score didn't care yeah. didn't even yeah. notice it like it was just there yeah, it's kind of like how I felt like with Justice League like yeah the score just was just there. kind of there yeah. yeah yeah no I I agree I wouldn't I think I would agree with you more, but I was noticing the rock music and it was really obnoxious. And then I was noticing the score, which is this electronically driven grindhouse kind of score. It's, Mm. it's just, uh, I'm using the word obnoxious a lot, but that, I think that's pretty much sums up my feelings. It's just this grating noise and it wasn't, it's just loud and it's like, I'm here and I'm loud and I'm rated R you know, watch me. I'm yeah. different. I'm yeah. different than the last Hellboy. And I'm like, whoa, guys, you guys are like, 
you guys are beating us over the head with this yeah. stuff, and yeah, I just didn't. Mark. Yeah. So, do you want to jump into spoilers? Yeah, or? let's go. Let's okay. do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna zip through it though. The Zippity same kind of fucking pacing that they did in this movie. Yeah. Um, okay. So basically, the movie opens up, and you get kind of there's a, just to back it up. There's a whole lot of like. Um, uh, what's it called? Exposition in this film. Every other scene's exposition, yeah, yeah. and the the opening scene's no different. So yeah. the exposition there is basically like it sets up who you know the whole King Arthur lineage yep. and the history, which most of us know, and then also introduces the Blood Queen and how they chop her up, and you know basically just really selling that hard R. And then after that, it jumps right into Hellboy being in Tijuana trying to go pick up his buddy. He ruins yeah. a phone and goes and. Fucking wrestles a luchador. Yeah, so this it's amazing. Is, yeah, but. so uh, that that intro scene. Yeah, as soon as that started, and um, what's his name? Uh, the actor who plays Professor Broom in this movie, Ian McShane. Ian McShane. Yeah, who's got? Who's also? They're all trying to out epic voice yes. each other. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like Ian McShane's talking really loud, and David Harbour's you know drunk talking really loud, and I'm like, why is everyone? Like trying to like out epic voice everybody else. Yeah. Like it's just... There's a scene in particular when they're sitting at the Winston Churchill table yeah. later on, and they're yelling at each other, and I'm just like, God damn it! Like somebody turned down the volume it's up there. It's too loud, and maybe it was loud the theater. Boomy. Maybe it's the theater. Maybe because if you thought been. it was too loud, maybe it was um, fucking Scarborough. And, yeah, I like I like my movies loud actually, I and I too. think a lot of theaters don't play the movies loud enough. But I think the sound mix on this was just all just wrong i don't know yeah. but so he starts talking narrating over this yeah yeah this thing but he is going he's not even taking a breath yeah the guy's just going at a steady clip steady clip and they i was like him, they, they gave him a flat fee they didn't pay him by the hours like let's do this let's in five do, minutes let's go oh One my take. god it felt so rushed yeah that scene didn't breathe yeah. at all and i'm like oh my god this is definitely that's the i feel like you know i'm not i'm not in the business at all but i've seen enough movies marred by that sort of uh, editing by committee. This yeah. feels like a like a, co- a committee editing team that's like we need to introduce this and then we need to do this and then we need to do this. It's like a computer putting yeah. a movie together. Yeah. And this scene and this stuff is kind of cool and interesting, but it goes by you blink and you miss that's, it. That's it. And I was like, wow, whoa, take a breath. What yeah. the hell just happened? Yeah. I almost think they could have gotten rid of that opening scene. They, they didn't even need it because they lot. actually go over that yes. later in dialogue. Yep. Um they didn't even need it. Yeah. But in stark contrast, this Tijuana scene, I really liked I it. I liked it too. I liked this scene a lot. And I'm like, if the rest of the movie was like that, then uh, I think you would have had a different movie. That t- that that was like, came out of nowhere. It was very unique, very interesting. He goes in and he's trying to find an agent. Yeah. Riaz or something? Uh, yeah. Ruiz. 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 And uh, he, uh, Ruiz was going to investigate uh, vampires. Vampire thing. And uh, he's finds him fighting in this in this ring in this uh, you know this uh, luchador match, and he's become this luchador. But obviously something's wrong with him, and he challenges Hellboy in front of all of this this entire crowd to a fight. And this it's it's great. I'm like this, and the reveal of what happens like you find out he's a vampire. He takes off his mask and he starts changing. Yeah. Great creature design. Yeah. I thought a good fight. And a really interesting setting. A very strange ending. How did he get impaled on something that is as dull as a turnbuckle? Yeah. 
it wasn't even like he slammed him. He just kind of fell and he's like, oh. Yeah, he went right through. Maybe uh, vampires' constitution isn't very, they're very spongy. Maybe they're very spongy. (laughs) It looks spongy. But yeah, so that no, was a great. I thought that was a great, it was a fun, it was scene. A fun scene. Good dialogue. Yeah, uh, the crowd reactions were pretty entertaining yeah. too. Um, and it really, it's a good introduction to the new Hellboy character yeah. too. Yeah. Gives him it. It shows that he's different than Ron Perlman's take yeah. on it. Um, a little bit more aloof, almost. A little more. I don't want to say happy go lucky, but like he's not as stoic. Yes. He's, He's just, you know, seems a bit fragile, strong, but at yeah. the same time, he's got a fragility to him. Fragility? Absolutely. Yeah, fragility. Yeah. yeah. I think that, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the other things I liked about this scene was they ad- they fully addressed, like, the red shirt problem that I felt Hellboy 1 and 2 had, where, you know, these members of the BRPD would join Hellboy. And anyone who wasn't Hellboy, Abe Sapien, or, like, Selma Blair's character was mm-hmm. like, okay, these guys are all just, like... In the meat grinder, yeah. and uh, this one directly addresses what ha- what can actually happen when he when an agent is lost yeah. in the field, and that Hellboy has relationships with these agents. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I thought that was great because they do not address that a lot in the other movies. They, these guys just kind of die left and right. Hellboy one, they kind of addressed it, yeah. sort of, but this one just felt a little better because I don't know. I, f- I felt it felt better to me because. So many other agents die in Hellboy 1, and he only cares about this one agent. Seems weird. Yeah. This one, one agent dies, he cares about him, and he goes on a three-week like drinking spree in Tijuana. Sorry, the last thing I'm going to say about this is that they've all, they're also making a statement about this is different because everyone kind of is not surprised by Hellboy's presence. They're yeah. not particularly... So it's like people know like stuff is going on. Like yeah. People know that they're... There's more to this world than science, yes. basically, and I think that they kind that goes a long way setting up people's reactions later. In the, Absolutely, later in the movie. Yeah. yeah. That it was a very subtle way they did that. Basically, yeah. it's not only that they're aware of Hellboy, but everything else. Yeah, totally a lot agree. of other things. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he goes on a three-week drinking stupor in Tijuana, which sounds pretty friggin' awesome. Um, but then immediately gets well, not immediately. After three weeks, he gets sent back to the BPRD, talks to Professor Broom, his pops. It seems like they have a really good relationship. The whole shaving scene and stuff was kind of cool. I thought that was I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah I, I like the fact that he helps him shave. Yeah, but he's shaving his horns. Yeah, and it's so that's that the unique stuff that I actually liked. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then he immediately gets shipped off to England to go and fuck with the Osiris Club. Yeah, and go kill some giants. Go kill some giants. Now, yeah, to back to the Professor Broom yeah. scene. He was great. Um, I do like Ian McShane for the most part, but he was uneven for me in this movie. That scene alone was great, but then later on in the film, I just wasn't buying it. He's just not as endearing as John Hurt, I guess. Yeah. John Hurt had a... I'd say he was way more soft-spoken, obviously. I mean, who isn't around fucking Ian McShane? They're trying to... Like I said, they're trying to out-epic voice each other. Out-epic voice. But he also had a stronger quality to him than... I would say Ian McShane did. Maybe in his convictions or something like that. Ian McShane just kind of kept... like He just seemed like a guy... That was on a mission because he had to do what he had to do. He's trying Whereas, to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah, but John Hurt, I just, just you, he, I don't know. He, it was more he's like warmer. a personal D. D yeah. yeah, he's that definitely warmer. But I don't know. There's something more to his performance that seemed more convincing than Ian McShane's. Ian McShane's almost at times just felt like he was walking through the role. Yeah. So, so I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think that's on purpose because this relationship between Broom and Hellboy in this movie is volatile. It's, it wasn't it, until it was. And then after that, they beat you over the fucking head with it. But even, but no, but even in that shaving scene, there's a, there's a couple of lines of dialogue where they hit, they're hinting at this relationship isn't healthy. Mm. Um, 
so I wasn't surprised by how kind of cold um, Broom seemed to be in this movie. Um, but it did it did feel a little mechanical. Like uh, um, I, I I agree with that. Yeah. They made the relationship a little more hostile in this movie, whereas in Del Toro's versions, that relationship was there was a there was a mutual respect. There's a mutual respect. And, it was still at its rocky times, but at the same time, yeah, like the the death scene from the Del Toro films in comparison with the de- the death scene in this one was yep. so much more impactful. I, I agree. And on top of that, <clears throat> the aftermath of it all was even better in that too. It was just the, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'll, I'll try and stop comparing. Yeah. Films. <laughs> For a man who doesn't want to compare. It's, it's just impossible not to. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll try to stop. But yeah. anyways, so anything else you want to say about that? The whole uh, Osiris club thing fucking was weird. Yeah. It, like, that w- that was weird. So they, they, they call this thing the wild hunt. Yeah, and uh, and I think the Wild Hunt is a is a mythology like a, a Euro, some kind of European mythology because I think like a couple of games like The Witcher Three, The Wild Hunt, is is a game I'm playing right now, and and I think it's a common mythology. And there is a series of Hellboy books called The Wild Hunt, so I think that this is trying to tie some of that mm. mythology in here. I was genuinely surprised when the Wild Hunt when they're going to hunt these giants, they end up trying to kill. Hellboy, I was genuinely surprised. I didn't think that that was going to happen. Um, and yeah, that kind of, like, did they even, I don't know, it just seemed a lot of lead up to nothing yeah. in that case. That's that's yeah. par for the course with, for this movie for yeah. me. Um, this one, like, it wasn't a big payoff. There. It was not a big payoff. It just kind of, everything just seemed to be resolved almost too conveniently in multiple instances. <clears throat> Hellboy getting rescued there seemed too convenient with the giants just showing up all of a sudden. Then on top of that, his rescue after fighting the giants just seemed completely about, convenient too. Out of nowhere. It, it just... Comes, like a car shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's just... Yeah, it's just kind of like getting shipped off. Like, the, this is the end of this episode. And like, tune in next time. Here's the next episode. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it's very episodic. What did you think of this, uh, this action bit with the giants? The giant fight? Uh, I like the idea of it. The choreography of how Hellboy would fight giants is pretty great. Yeah. But, eh. Didn't work for you? No. This, uh, the effects just, I didn't like them. Everything the, seemed very clunky and not in like a giant is kind of slow way. Slow, yeah. Just seemed kind of clunky. I I, I definitely liked it more than you, that mm-hmm. scene, because I, uh, I think it was ruined by the musical choice, I think. But, uh or I think it, you know a lot of it is uh, the steam is let out by the musical choice. I think they could have done something a little more uh, grandiose. A little, yeah, yeah, a little, little better. But uh, I like what they tried to do with the scene. They do a lot of one shot takes and um, like how, like you're saying, how the mechanics of how Hellboy would fight a giant is actually I think it's done relatively well. The effects do kind of suffer. This is not a massive budget film. Um, but at the same time, I think the the quirkiness of the designs of the giants themselves, the weapons they're using and stuff, I, I enjoy some of that creativity. So that's mm-hmm. I think that's why I probably enjoyed that scene a little more than you. Yeah, but, uh, and that, like I said, I liked that part of it, the the imagination of it. It's just the execution of it. It's yeah. I don't know, just didn't seem right. It's not going to hold up. We watched that on Blu-ray down the road. We're going to watch and be like, mm, mm, about that. yeah, yeah. Um, I also think this movie has an obsession with eyes. Fuck, yeah. A lot of people get their eyes poked out. Yeah. I think Hellboy punches a couple of giants in the eyes with his right hand of yeah. doom. Yeah. 
And then there's this starts off with the eye getting pecked out of the skull at the beginning of the movie, and then Baba John Yaga, Wicks, yeah. Baba, yeah, Baba Yaga wants Hellboy's eyes. I mean, this is obsessed with eyes. There's something. Um, and and they don't really tie that in thematically. I'm not even entirely sure if that's on purpose. How it do just you know what the theme like, of this film is? If there's, I, it's there. There is a theme there, but it's just it's just trampled all over by it by a loud, obnoxious, poorly edited movie. <laughs> I think. So anyway, so he fights these. He gets jumped by the wild hunt. They're saying that, hey, we need to kill you because you represent the end of the world. You are the key to the world's yeah, destu- yeah. destruction. They try to kill him. They get jumped by the giants. Hellboy kills the giants. Yep. Collapses and is uh, rescued by uh, Alice. Alice, really randomly. Out of nowhere. <laughs> and they have a history. She, she's a medium, I guess. Yeah. And that's also when the BPRD catches up with her and Ian McShane is brought into it. And then you're also introduced to, what's that? motherfucker's name Daimyo Daimyo Um, overall I liked his performance quite a bit I did I I bought him in pretty much everything he did yeah, I like Daniel Day Kim in general. Yeah. Whenever he's in, like, I think I saw him the first, last time I saw him was in Lost, so I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think that guy has a rock solid jaw like that. You can hang like you can hang your coat on that thing. That his jawline is like it's a pretty epic jaw. Yeah, it's, a, it's an epic jawline. And the make uh, the makeup they did for the scars on his face, I thought was really well done. Very good. Yeah, um, and I was excited because this is a character that I read a lot about in like the Plague of Flogs uh, storyline. Flogs. <laughs> The Prague of Flogs. It's a bunch of flogs in Prague. (laughs) Plague of Frogs. Um, Um, And uh, and his backstory is really fleshed out in the comics. So they do get into it in this movie, and they they they. and I was happy to see him. I thought because I think he's a really cool character. They, he, he didn't get to do a lot. Yeah. But uh, but he's a great character in the comics. And if there's ever a sequel, I'd love to see that get expanded on. But yeah. I think they be. did him justice in this film. They gave him enough to do. They could have given him more. But yeah. they gave him enough backstory too, and enough to do that seemed like like for instance when he was you know being when he had the responsibility of potentially taking out Hellboy. Yeah. And then you could see his indecision about that yeah. and eventually. Yeah, that does that, that arc kind of does tie up. Yes, it's, absolutely. Uh, he had a very very good arc is perfect. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah, so you're introduced to these two two characters. Um, they have a scene that shows Hellboy's connection to Alice, mm-hmm. and that because that is that's Alice, right? So they have. One of my favorite stories, the first stories that got me into Hellboy is this story. I don't know if you ever read There's a series of short stories, and one of them, he comes into this house, and you don't know what he's doing. The parents are like, you know, something's wrong with our baby. What's wrong with our baby? He comes in, and it's this, again, it's just like quiet, dark, gothic, like village, hut, mm-hmm. beautifully drawn by Mike Mignola. And he's like, he says this line where he's like, I know what baby's like. Baby's like... Iron, and he's kind of like this. Really, audience has like as a reader, you don't know what's going on, and he starts touching the baby with the iron, and the baby starts freaking out. Um, that story is in this movie, yeah. And Alice is the ba- is the baby that's replaced because you know it's this whole fairy thing where the babies get replaced. So he manages to get the original baby back and get in banishes this troll thing, right? That's pretending to be the baby. It's sh- it's shot god awfully. Yes. This movie. It is a it's a god awful mangled and this is and this is where I'm getting to the point where I'm like the whole byline for this movie was to get closer to the tone of the comics. This is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. This is one of my this is one of the, the, the stories that that makes Hellboy endearing to me. It's one of the first stories I ever read. It's short to the point, well executed, gothic, painted in blacks, very atmospheric. This is shot 
in the middle of the day. Everything's yellow. It's yeah. like Instagram happy shot. And I just couldn't. I was like, why? Like, why? who made this choice? It's a very. And it takes place in modern, you know, a modern day. They're telling a modern day story. So you can't really get around that. True. But. You know, in the, in the I sound like a, a like there's like a lot of nerd rage coming. It's not like the comic books. I'm typically not like that. Typically, mm-hmm. I'm not like that. Like I actually want to see other people's visions of the movie uh, of of any character. Yeah. I'm always ready to see something new, but I have to say I strongly disliked the way they told this story. Just from a cinematic te- like a cinematic perspective, yeah, yeah, it didn't look great. It just was overblown. It the- was overly loud. They could have definitely had it way more understated and it would have yeah, probably been God. more effective. You're dealing with a child that has been abducted yes. and is now being replaced by some pig monster. Yeah. Like that could be something that could be a much more emotional moment than like him running around trying to catch oh yeah. I'm going to get you. Like yeah. get the fuck out of here. Just yeah. play it normal. Uh, I was there's no atmosphere in that no, scene. It's no, no, no. No, it's, it's more played, of a comedy bit It's kind of like played for laughs. Yeah. Also, his makeup where he's got a five o'clock shadow, I think is the only time where I really did not like the way he looked. I don't know. And that scene is so brightly lit yes. that you're seeing like you're seeing everything and he's he's clearly got a beard mm. in that scene and it just looks really awkward. Yeah. So that one really stood out to me. I saw that. I'm like, oh, they're going to tell a story. I'm like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they really they went in a totally different direction. Um, anyway, so that's Alice's connection. He actually gets her back, but she's also a medium. She, right. she, um, uh, she uh, actually has a really great way of speaking, or sorry, connecting with the dead. This is one of those creative moments I really enjoy. Oh, I like that. we are in. You didn't very, like that? Right, stark disagreement about okay, this. Okay, all right, well, let's, I, let's was, go to the next scene then. I guess we'll, well see what, what they're talking let's about. Just, let's just get into it. Oh, I mean, okay. I'm not, I'm not, this, at this point, like literally the notes I put in terms of this, I put fish and chips, Baba Yaga, scary tree, King Arthur, end of movie. <laughs> okay. Hellboy pacing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, uh, the, in terms of her powers and having it, it was just fucking gross for no reason. Oh, it was, gr- it was, was gross. It was just, I liked, I actually, and I, yeah, it, it looked like floating heads on top of CGI bodies. Oh, Wait, what are you talking oh, about? Oh, no, no, then? that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. You're talking about what it looked like. Yeah, I'm oh, talking okay, about what it okay, looked like. Okay, all right. And I like the idea of her projecting the dead and being able... That's cool, but yeah. she didn't literally have to project the vomit out the dead, basically, and have them floating above. Like, it looks stupid. I mean, if somebody's going to be a medium that can talk to spirits, that's all well and good. You want to do something spooky where they're talking through you? Yeah. Totally understand. But they don't need to fucking come from inside of you out it was just disgusting and it looked bad. It looked bad. You like when the the blind seer, I can't remember yeah, her name, yeah. was just floating above there. I'm like, ooh, this looks bad. I hope we don't see this again. And then later I got to see fucking Ian McShane's head on. Yeah, yeah, just floating right. around. It looks really bad. Yeah. I, I just I could not get on board with it. I liked what they were trying to do. But the execution was flawed. I'm a fan of them trying something different because uh, a medium there's that cliched moment where you know the eyes roll into the back of the heads, the the eyes are white and they're being they're possessed, and I'm just so tired of seeing that. I'm mm. so like that is a very it's not I'm tired and that's bad. It's just a very classical um, representation of right. of spirit spirit mediums and stuff. Um, and you know, like the wind blowing around in the room, and like the fucking like you know, uh, you know, plates and you know, uh, boxes and chairs and stuff yes, floating yes, there, yes. all that stuff. I'm so happy they didn't do that. I'm yeah, so I, I like the idea that it's like it's a tough thing to do. 
It's hard and it takes a physical toll and being possessed is more than just, you know, talking in a deep, different, like a different voice. It mm-hmm. takes a toll on you and you're literally like you're, you're bringing this spirit back into the world and you're vomiting them up. And I, I liked that a lot, which, which helped me sort of gloss over how uh, sometimes how janky it could look yeah um but but i that that's why i liked it i liked it because they're like oh we're not just going to do this same old nonsense we're going to do something different the problem is is trying something new you're usually doing it amongst a team and somebody can at some point be like this doesn't work i don't know how it went past everybody everybody's like this is solid let's do this like for instance if you went into the bathroom and you went and took a shit but instead you're like you know what i'm gonna mix it up and try something new and instead of shitting in the toilet you shit in your tub and you're like, this is different. I'm pretty happy I did this. And then Shugu comes home later on and she goes to take a shower. She opens up the curtain and there's your steaming number two. And she looks at it. She goes, what the fuck are you doing? And you go, well, I was just trying something new. And she goes, no, no, this isn't good. And then you go, oh, well, that didn't work. So maybe we won't do it that way. Maybe we'll stick with the more classical interpretation of taking a dump in that toilet over there. That's kind of what I see here. And nobody was playing the role of your lovely wife. That is quite the colorful representation of your feelings. It's pretty accurate. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad this movie took a dump in the tub. It <laughs> might as well have. Like, see if this thing gets great. It's pretty ambitious. And it's like, yo, we're going to have a sequel. Look, Abe, say, wait, where's everybody going? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so so the, the, the Osiris Club ends up getting killed because... Um, the pig monster is putting this witch that was decapitated at the beginning of the story by King Arthur's Excalibur mm-hmm. back together, like right. Humpty Dumpty. And uh, so one, uh, the Osiris Club has one body part. There are other places in the world he's he's going and he's putting her back together again. Mm-hmm. Um, so the entire Osiris Club gets, gets annihilated. And then... I can't even remember what happens here. At this point, she's basically got all... They've got all the pieces to put her back together. The last piece, the last arm was at the Osiris Club. And now the BPRD is trying to figure out where she's at. Oh, right. That's right. And then then through simply convenience... And I didn't like how they got there, but I'm glad they got there. Yeah. He goes and visits John Wick. And John Wick... (laughs) All peg-legged and walking upside down yeah. and stuff. Those scenes were great. Those the, are, the the set that they used yeah. for that walking thing. It's cool. So cool. It looked I liked great. It. Yeah. The big dirty spread of children's yeah. children food. It's yeah, Not the fingers. Food. Yeah, you fingers. See the fingers in the stew. Yeah. So this is and this is all from I think it's a lot of the Baba Yaga is a character in that short story mm-hmm. and uh, or one of the short stories and it's really really well done with the, the house with the chicken feet, yes. uh, giant chicken feet. And they actually use that as a part of the fight scene. Yes. Another really great, uh, unique uh, angle they took. Baba Yaga's makeup, really, really well done. Her dialogue was really, really cool too. And they, they're you know sitting together eating at the table, and you see like, so this is what I didn't get about this scene. He's basically summoned by Baba Yaga. So yes. he tries to go in the elevator, tries to go up, and then yeah. it goes down, and it goes down forever, and he's in another world basically. Um, and he finds out that she's been eating children. And uh, are they in the like the real world or are they in some like fantasy land? Because they're, they're in a foggy environment, you know, yeah. classic sort of foggy environment. So I'm like, are these children real? Well, like, she mentioned some kind she, of like uh, she's trapped in some dimension. That's what they oh, mentioned. Yes, yeah, yeah, he mentions. But then that. the question is, is 
if she can get people to come into the dimension, what's stopping her from getting out? How is she luring people in? Yeah, is she just she, taking them in because she can take any everybody and anybody in? Yeah. If that's the case, why isn't she bringing a lot more people? Like It, it seems, it, it was, yeah, it not was well not, put together. It was no not well put of. together. Once you're in there, all well and good. It was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. But the whole getting in and coming out of it was just, it was janky and just written in there for convenience. That's why I'm saying it yeah. would be better if the Baba Yaga character Wasn't, was the main antagonist in this. Because, yes. one, she was way better than the Blood Queen. Yes, that's More true. interesting, um, better design, yeah. across the board better. Yeah. And in this one, she's not really given anything clear to do except for just kind of show up for convenience sake. That's true. I don't know what she was doing to help the pig guy. Yeah, because she's basically summons him, and I don't know. She says, "Put together the Blood Queen." Like, yeah, and she asks her, asks asks him to do that, and I don't know. She seems to be able to summon people. Does she summon the children to come? Like, yes. uh, it's just it's just weird and not really well thought out. No. But this action, this whole scene, actually is a very cool. It's like a, it would make for a good short Hellboy short film. Like there's a couple of those. The last scene in the film too would have been a yeah. good short. Yeah, that's good right. Short. Yeah, but, it's a good short film. Yeah. Um, and uh, she makes this deal for his eyes because he had he had poked one of her <laughs> eyes out. Right. Uh, continuing with the theme of losing people's eyes, mm-hmm. and uh, she asks for one of his, and they have a fight. She tells him where the Blood Queen is, but doesn't give her his eye, and uh, he manages to leave. And this is obviously like a sequel baiting thing going on here which right. is like she, she she'll make sure that you know he he gives up his eye i don't know if you noticed i did she had like saggy old you know saggy old uh hag titties yeah they and were, um they were hanging low and uh low it was just like really it, it was great it was distracting but it was just like the the designs the design was so there's so much detail yeah there mm-hmm. and you know like they didn't skimp out on the detail her on the, smile on the worrisome yeah, it was oh, yeah stretched all the way back to her fucking her ears it was just yeah. it was the the design the creature design on her was yeah fantastic. it was really really real well done so he ends up warping back into reality and uh you know he knows where he has this speech with his where's with his dad that yeah. he, this argument he gets into he's like i liked that i like that whole idea and i think that's something that this movie shares with del toro's version where del toro has a lot of the sympathy for the monster stuff and especially mm-hmm. in hellboy 2 with especially. del toro Oh, sorry, Del Toro. When uh, Hellboy kills the giant plant monster, she's uh, uh, one of the one of the Darklings or whatever says that this is the last of their kind, and yeah. you've just murdered him, right? Yeah. So they do something similar here, where Hellboy's like, you know, maybe if we didn't, you know, murder all of these, you know, uh, creatures that live in the shadows, like they wouldn't want to murder us. They don't really go anywhere with that, nope. though, and it's just a conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I wish they went somewhere with it. I think that would make a great the and there is a thematic like closure to that, but it's not really well executed. It's no. just they don't really go anywhere with that. No. Um, and it's unfortunate because I thought it was a pretty good conversation, even though they were trying to out epic voice each other the entire time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but anyway, so then they go and they they, uh, they go to the tree the where tree. she's getting her blood back, which will you know give her her groove back. Yeah. Uh, and they get there, they have to fight some zombies. Hellboy goes up there. And shoots her in the head, which her eye was I, dangling out. Her eye, another eye reference. Yep. Yeah, her eye is dangling yep. out. 
and uh, she ends up getting away. She's clearly overpowered. Like she's. I don't even know what her plan. Like her plan is to to clean up humanity, right? And and but also to bring these creatures that have been living in the shadows. Yeah. Uh, again, she's multitasking. A, she shares a lot in common with. Sorry, with, you know, uh, the prince's character in Hellboy 2. Yeah. So for as different as this movie wants to be, it actually shares a lot with, you know, the Hellboy yes. 2, like, plot. Um, it shares a lot with those. Between, like, you basically rehashed his intro scene, which the only yeah. real good thing about that was you got to see Lobster Johnson. Oh, we did, we totally skipped over that. Yeah, Lobster Johnson is in this, and he's he's hilarious. He's great in the comics. I, I'm completely surprised. I had no idea Lobster Johnson was going to be in this movie, and he's played by Thomas Hayden Church. And he's got a great intro line. Yeah, he's like Guten Tag. He says it like such an American. It's when Hellboy is being summoned, and instead of like regular Allied forces in Broom, like uh, you know, interrupting the seance, it's it's uh, Lobster Johnson and, and the Allies, and yeah. that's where we get to see the Nazi with the the crazy three D glasses. glasses. Yeah. I was like, wow, look at those bad boys. Yeah, but you also rehash all the old characters from the... The other movies. Yeah, like Rasputin's there, Cronin's Cronin. there. Yeah. I think the blonde girl was oh, maybe... Um, what's her, I don't I know her, the her character's name. name. No. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like they rehashed a lot of it almost... I, I don't want to say frame for frame, but they obviously didn't. But it was just... It was there in a very much in very much the same capacity. I'm like, do we need this? Yeah. Like another... It's another devotion of like five minutes to something you really don't need. That's and true. honestly, like... The father-son dynamic and how they're arguing with each other, it didn't add anything to the film for me. You know what I mean? Like, you could have had them have a bit of a dysfunctional relationship that he turned him into a weapon right from the go. Yeah, they didn't need that. They no, didn't they didn't need, need that, that flashback. No. Um, no. They, yeah, you're right. They didn't need it. They, they, they had it because of their building. They're building. They're trying to build this mythology, this yeah, world. Yeah. And they didn't need it. It's just uh, that, that relationship doesn't need a flashback to be explained. No. The one thing it does pose the interesting question is why didn't you kill me? Because Broom was there to Supposed kill whatever to. they come that comes out of this portal from yeah. this seance. Yeah. Uh, and he decides not to. Right. So I think that was a big thing. He keeps asking him more than once during the movie. It's like, I know you were there to kill me. Why didn't you kill me? So, but they didn't need a flashback to show that. No. That's a question you can pose without taking up that exactly. runtime. This movie is too long. It's, it's, it's way too, too long. long. And it's um, moving at too many. It's shoved yeah. too much stuff in it. So, so yeah. So, um, yeah. They fail at the tree. And then <clears throat> at that point, Alice gets infected by the crown barb. So they go to see Merlin in a cave because reasons. Holy crap. So... I, so let's just unpack this one scene here. First of all, the top of this hill, this scene is shot so dark, I can't yeah. fucking see anything, which really sucks because they have a lot of these creatures here. But, and you know what's funny? Like, she's trying to bring those creatures back. Like, they're supposed to be, okay, now we're going to, you know, like, you get to come out of the shadows. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Then at the end of the movie, they kind of like, it's kind of changes. Those creatures, none of those creatures are seen at the end of the movie. It's like these, it's like hell. She's opened yeah. up a portal to hell. Well, no, it's him that opened the portal to hell. As soon as he's got the sword, it's game on for hell. So those are those are not the same I don't creatures, think so. right? Because no, no, like no. that's why the, there was no similarities between right. either set. Yeah. So I was I was confused about that, and the other thing I was confused about was this whole thing with Excalibur. Like she goes into a portal, leaves poisons one of her friends and then gets a, a subplot that wasn't needed at all was the fact that one of her uh, subjects uh, betrayed her. Yeah. That's how, you know, King Arthur got the better of her. But they seem to be alive and well and are exactly the same age. They come out of the tree. 
whatever. And um, she kills two of them, leaves one alive, says, hey, you need to make sure that Hellboy goes to see so-and-so and then leaves and poisons the girl with the barb. And then the witch that had the job was like, hey, I know I can save your friend. Go see, you know, this this old guy in a casket. Yeah. And it happens to be Merlin to take the poison out. And then Merlin is like, yo, you need to Excalibur because you're related to King Arthur. And, and they have this crazy flashback. It's like, your mother, you know, uh, got it on with some crazy goat demon, which I thought they really kind of glossed over this goat demon thing. And um, and it's like, you, but she was the last descendant of King Arthur, so you have King Arthur's blood in you, so you can get you can get Excalibur. And now I'm summoning Excalibur here. You need to grab it. He grabs it, and he gets this crazy, you know, heavy metal like inspired like a vision into the future where he's riding a dragon yeah. like and it's completely like a like a like the most metal thing I've ever seen and he's just like uh, you know he's leading the, the armies of darkness or hell I guess mm-hmm. and he's like oh I shouldn't grab Excalibur because if I grab it then bad things are gonna happen right. which mm-hmm. frankly Merlin should have been on top of that he so, should have he should have known that that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Was Merlin it, in on the joke? Was like, I don't was, think like so. was Merlin working for the Blood Queen? Because because I think so I think he's just bad at his job. I think he's incompetent. He yeah. didn't actually look at what he was doing. He's like, yeah, that sword will do it. Oh shh, <laughs> don't grab the sword. <laughs> yeah, because like the Blood Queen wants him to get the sword. Yeah. So I was very confused. And Merlin's like, you need to do it. It's your destiny. Yeah. But doesn't Merlin know that, you know, Buddy is supposed to be... He knows who his mom is. He knows who his dad is. Yeah. It's like, don't you know that, you know, if he grabs a hold of this sword, bad things are going to happen? Didn't make any... A lick of sense. No. It was um, all very confusing. The whole Arthurian thing, I, I like the idea... Oh, I do too. Of, ...of weaving that mythology in. But, man, they really, like... They really, it's really clunky and like doesn't make doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, that's it's part really, for the course of this movie. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it's it's really too bad. I also but. like how Merlin made um, Alice and Daimyo sleep. He just kind of was like, go to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like like one of those um, what do you call those religious uh, you know miracles? Oh yeah, yeah. He, he or a hypnotist. Or just being like, all right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, sleep and then sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. So after the King Arthur thing, then they go and see. Sorry, after the Merlin thing. What happens after that? They go straight to the church. Yeah, they go to London because uh, the Blood Queen is now uh, all infecting. You know, got, got all of her body parts. Right. And, uh, she fucks up the BPRD. Yeah, she she's uh, attacks the BPRD, spreading the plague mm-hmm. around that she was uh, intending to do. Uh, but none of these creatures that she had like given this big speech to are there. This is why I was so like it was so discombobulated because I'm like I thought the whole idea was like there was monster you know, party. Like, yeah, it's a big you know a coming out party for yeah. all of these monsters, and none of them are here, and it's just you with a couple with you know the plague thing. So mm-hmm. uh, some of them are here. I guess there's some like flying around the the spire of the church, but yeah, maybe. there's none of the monsters that that appear at the intro. Or on the hill when she makes the big speech appear. Right. So, but then anyway, they they go to uh, they go to the church and they have their final showdown with the Blood Queen, who has captured Broom, her, his father. Yeah, yeah. captured Broom. Um, the pig is now big, big pig. Yep. Yeah, it's a big pig. He got an upgrade. He leveled up. Yep. 
uh, and they have uh, they have this fight, which was kind of fun. It was like, a good fight. Yeah. It's actually probably I'd say it's my second favorite fight scene of the of the movie. I I really like the stuff at the end, like the complete like the ending thing. Oh, okay, that was fun. I like that a lot. Well, the, the like when they're in the when they go and find Sabian. It, oh yeah, yeah. That yeah. was I like that a, scene. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. it was it was like nice and colorful. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, it was it was I thought it was well choreographed for what it was. Yeah, it's pretty um, nifty. When Daimyo got in there, got yeah. into the fray, that yeah. was also really good. That was cool. Did you see that coming? Like, did you? Did, oh you, yeah, yeah. Did you know? Who, uh, did no, you ever read any I had seen. Daimyo I, in no, it? I didn't read any of the books with. Daimyo oh, but it's in the trailer. It's in the trailer. Yeah, and and I knew that something was coming, even if I hadn't seen the trailer. I knew something was coming because they had alluded to that with the whole injector thing. Yeah. Oh, right. That's true. They, of course. Yeah. So I would have known something was coming, and. You know, it was good. I liked I liked that a lot. Yeah, he's he's basically like a, a wear jaguar. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that was that was a cool moment too. Because then they both like they have that moment where he changes, and then they both go and fight him at the same fight this giant pig monster right. at the same time. I thought that was pretty fun. It was and, good. And uh, the blood queen shows up, says, "Piggy, I don't need you anymore." Yeah, uh, and makes him so small he kind of explodes. She has <laughs> more powers, I guess. And, she, and I, what I hate, I hate the the force powers, the generic yeah. moving shit with your hands. I've always hated that. The yeah. Magneto Gandalf force power thing where she just drags shit and was able to stop people from moving, lifting them up and stuff. It just doesn't make any sense and there's really no power cap on it. That's the problem so, is the power yeah. cap. At least Magneto, it's got to be metal. That's okay. Sure, yeah. But like, I'm thinking more of like the Jean Grey from like the third X-Men movie and I'm like, that's just fucking Yeah, ridiculous. or like Ares from like the end of Wonder Woman where uh, he's yeah. like, you know, moving stuff around and I'm like... Ugh. Stop it. Stop doing just that. Leave it like, where it is. Yeah, just stop. You know, like, uh, that seems to be every writer's answer when someone has to be powerful. just moving stuff with their mind. And yeah. it's just, it's really generic and, um, you know, cliched, and I don't like it. I don't um, like it. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> The Excalibur ends up being in the basement. I uh, as soon <laughs> as I saw church. that, I, I literally like in my head I thought, fucking of course, why yeah, not? Because yeah. like uh, let's just throw something else in here. It's, uh, it's, yeah, yeah. So apparently, like when he went to grab Excalibur the first time with with Merlin, like yeah. Merlin was using his power to summon it here, yeah. and then it disappeared. So, but anyway, it's been in the basement of this cathedral the whole time. Yeah. So he goes down there and he's gonna grab a hold of the sword, but doesn't do it because he knows that something's gonna happen. And she force powers, drags her, her his dad over there. She kills his dad, kills Broom. And Alice vomits him back up and is like, hey, he has something to say to you. And he's just there with his fucking head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Hell but, boy. But <laughs> be who you are. You're a good man deep down. But dad. But that. And they just keep yelling over yeah, yeah, each other. Like, Grow up hair. Grow like, up hair. He was being wrote a dick. This, yeah, yeah, he wrote this dialogue. It was really bad dialogue. Oh. Um, but I don't understand why he grabs the sword. I don't know. Why does well, he, does he, he wants to tell too? Or no, like, I think he, he just wants to fuck up uh, the Blood Queen, but then he picks it up and he's he's like super completely taken over. And I thought this design is great because this is oh, it's always know, been good. This, like they even they even do a bit of that in Del Toro's Hellboy, where you know the he horns, come, the horns come back. He's got the wreath of fire mm-hmm. and the fl- and this flaming sword. Like, like I said, metal is metal is all hell, but. Uh, Looks really cool. Yes, uh, and he has a conversation with her, like you said. Um, the the medium resurrects uh, Broom, and he comes out floating. <laughs> I like how you did this. He's just kind of like floating, um, you know, uh, like a genie, like attached to a lamp kind of thing. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> One made out of like, like the organs. internal organs. Oh, that's so <laughs> gross. Where does the hair come from? 
Oh, I don't know. She's got a hairy pancreas or some know. shit. Did you do you remember that? That reminds me of that line when uh, when Baba Yaga wants his eye. Yeah. She's like, he's like, do we need to like sign a document or something on this deal? And she's like, no, no, we'll seal it with a kiss. Oh, as soon as and I heard that, I'm dis- like, this is not going to go well. Oh, for anybody it's involved. so disgusting, and I loved it because she kisses him and he mumbles to himself. He's like, how do you have hair on your tongue? <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. <laughs> Really, oh. really funny. But that kind of reminds me of that. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Broom comes up and you know gives his pep talk. A really awful, awful pep talk yeah. to uh, to uh, Hellboy or Super Demon, Super Saiyan Hellboy, and uh, he ends up cutting off the Blood Queen's head again. She gets decapitated again. And there's something about talking heads that I find really funny. I think <laughs> it's like it's just like you know a head that just like um, 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 and it's not attached to a body I think that's just funny it's comedy gold so they're trying to play a scene seriously when there's like a head talking and then he's got a great one liner at the end (laughs) where he's got their head and he's gonna throw it into the pits of hell yeah and he's like you should quit and there's this really it's like you should quit while you're a pause head and throws the head into the pit. And I was like, what is it? the line was delivered so awkwardly, it just worked for me for some you reason. You know why it worked? Is because it was like he was going to say it, like, I'm going to make this funny-ass line. Yeah. And then he, as soon as he says it, he's like, the fuck am I saying this for? Oh, this is so dumb. Is, yeah, 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 and then he just talks. Like, yeah, he's That's just, the way I read it. He just stops caring. Yeah, he's just like, oh, line. this is stupid. It was Let's really awkwardly delivered, yeah. But in a good way. I think it worked. Um... So when he when he grabs the sword, so just before you know he he lops her head off. That's when these giant monsters start appearing, and they, I guess this is like the forces of hell. Yeah, I guess. And uh, there is some disgusting shit that happens here, yep. and it's completely. I don't think it's really that earned or it's anything. Gratuitous it's really, and unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. It's just gratuitous. basically them like using that art or the hard R rating. Yeah, he's like one like one guy gets his. Skin ripped off his face. Yeah, and, and he's, he's just cra- like grabbing at his face. Yeah, grabbing at his got face. Got another guy get wishboned. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like uh, uh, like uh, bone, tomahawk. bone tomahawk style, and uh, and the designs for these creatures I thought were really cool. I yeah. thought they were really neat. They were. Uh, you've read Berserk, right? Yeah. The anime. Yeah. Or, sorry, the manga. Berserk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This the, is the, a good comparison. When I saw this, and I saw like like the amount of violence that was occurring, it gave me like heart palpitations because I was thinking of the eclipse scene yeah. from the Berserk. I didn't even think manga. of that. That's a good comparison. And because uh, that scene, just like oh god, it, it it's a gut wrenching scene to 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 read or watch in the anime because you know these characters for so long in Berserk. Anyway. Right. Uh, but they have these demons, and there's this giant sacrifice, and it's really bloody, and there's very imaginative demon designs, but they're all really perverse. Yeah. And uh, that's really kind of where they were going with this. They're like this perverse sort of demon design. And I thought that was pretty cool, but it's short-lived, but uh, pretty neat. But it is very gratuitous. Very um, gratuitous. A lot of innocent bystanders get, uh, oh, there's a couple people get kebobbed. Like yeah, the guy's just on the walking. guy's leg. Yeah, he's just like collecting people as he's walking. Uh, like a, a kebab skewered, so yeah. I like to see that scene re-edited with like, like the uh, what is it, the seven dwarfs whistle while you work. <laughs> yeah, like, do, 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 do. There's a lot of and walking. He's just walking around, <laughs> just <laughs> stepping on people, <laughs> making his leg skewers. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, the, then as soon as he kind of wises up, puts the sword back in, which I guess it's still there in the church. Yeah. Because he can't really move it after that. He's like, ah, yeah. oh, if I do this, I'm gonna do it quick. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, the the, the sword's got to be still there. And then they move on from there. It's the end of the movie. And then you have that really cool action scene at the end where they essentially 
find Abe Sabian. Yeah, exactly. So I think this is why they included the Order of the Osiris and all of that stuff, because what they're doing at the end of the movie, just before the end credits come up, is... Uh, infiltrating another order, yeah, and uh, these orders all have these relics. So they go in and they and they find, uh, and this is the action scene you liked. It's yeah, kind of like a one shot action sequence. Yes. Uh, when I saw shots of this in the trailer, it looked like a made for TV thing with the colors that they were using, and yeah. I didn't like it. But that was completely out of context because mm-hmm. this scene is actually a one shot action sequence, and it works much better in its full form than it did. In the actual trailer, because the trailer made it look cheap. Yeah. And this was actually, there was more thought put into this one. Right. Um, so I, I kind of, I, I did dig it. I, I did like the, uh, I, I liked the giant fight better than that one, though. Fair so, enough. But, uh, but yeah, so then uh, they find uh, the hand comes, Ape Sapien's hand comes up on the, on the, the tube and, uh, and uh, that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the end of the movie. And then we have a post-credits sequence where Hellboy is is getting drunk by his father's gravestone and the ghost of Lobster Johnson shows up and just gives them this really funky pep talk. I kind of liked it because it was kind of it was really random and and strange, but it's showing that the ghost of Lobster Johnson lives on and that's a lot of the a lot of the books kind of like have Lobster Johnson as this force ghost basically. Uh, and how ridiculous his character is. He's totally, you know, it's a lobster symbol on his head. He's got the lobster burner that he burns his his victims with and it's like a like a lobster claws burned into their skin. It's just so silly that I kind of like can't help but the name's silly. Yeah, Lobster Johnson. Yeah, that's right. It looks like a giant Johnson. <laughs> um, and then there's a post. There's a uh, there's a post credit sequence. So that was kind of the mid credit sequence. The post credit sequence, I stayed for because I read that it was with Baba Yaga, and I wanted to see the makeup again because I thought it was really cool. So there's a scene where Baba Yaga is summoning another person into her office. Right. Um, I looked it up. It's she's talking to Koshki. Koshki. I don't even know who that is. I don't know. Yeah. Slave Koshki. I don't know. Oh, yeah. The Immortal or yeah. The Deathless yeah. is an arch- archetypal male antagonist. I mean... They, I, think that's, I think that's a general mythological thing. Yeah. So I think Hellboy appropriated that for their for, for its own stories. Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, she's talking to him saying that you need to get Hellboy's eye yeah. for me. And I will give you what you can't have, which is your own death. Right. Uh, but the whole shot is a steady cam shot on her. Yeah. On the uh, at the dinner table, and it's slowly zooming into her face. Again, I was just really happy to see the makeup again because it looks so good, mm-hmm. very convincing. So, and that's pretty much it. And then the then the score kicks in for the, for, you know, sorry, the score kicked in before that, and it's just a really not a, a, a subtle score at all. It was just really bombastic for no reason. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's Hellboy 2019. 2019. Fuck, I hate having to tack on these years at the end yeah. of the movies. Yeah, I, uh, so I guess the general thoughts I have, I don't think it's as bad as people are saying it is, but I'm, I wouldn't recommend anyone. You know, if you like monster movies, if you're a big, if you're kind of a monster fanatic, you can get a lot of, you can get some mileage out of this, and I kind of did. I, I, I could that. see you getting the Blu-ray for it because I could see you wanting to rewatch them. So yeah. probably the special features might yeah. be interesting, but oh, certainly, definitely. The, um, the yeah. downside is that this movie felt like, like you said, it was made by committee, and then with all the stories coming out after, it doesn't feel like it was made with nearly as much love as, and I'm not comparing to, but I am the Del Toro films. Yeah, yeah, I, I it just seemed like they had an idea and nobody executed on it that wanted to. You know what I mean? Like the studio. I got. agree. I think I think Neil Marshall, like we've already said, he's a very capable director. Yeah. We've liked most of the stuff that he's done. I think he had a vision for this, and yeah. unfortunately, as studios do, somebody got in the way. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's it's weird because we'll never know the real story no, about no. about this stuff. Uh, maybe in a couple of years, Neil Marshall will do like a candid interview and maybe talk about it. Yeah. But uh, you know, one of my favorite stories. I think makings of movies like this like spawn great documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, like the the death of Superman lives. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's a great it. documentary about that. But then you know, Alien Three. Uh, the documentary that's on the like the Alien Legacy, like like the Blu-rays. It's great because it's super candid about what happened during the prep and like execution of that movie. I'd love to see what happened to this movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I can see that. I think there's an interesting story there, but in the end, it's I don't think it's the real. Uh, so it's it's so awful, um, but uh, but at the same time, I, it's not particularly good. No, I guess every you know what it is. I mean, here's the thing: is about Rotten Tomatoes is it doesn't fifteen percent doesn't mean that it's. 15 out of 100 is yeah, being yeah. good. It just means that only 15% of the people said that they would watch it. Yes. doesn't mean that everybody hated it, but... It's, it's... not worse than another movie that got 50%, exactly. for example. Because yeah. I... You know, we've talked about this. We've talked like, about we've this, talked yeah. About this if it was less than, like, five, I'd be worrisome. That being said, when you were sending me times to go and watch this, you were sending me IMAX, I'm like, eh, 15%? I'm not spending IMAX money on a 15%er. <laughs> So I guess I did let it influence me in one regard. But frankly, I kind of came into this podcast kind of wanting to shit on this movie. Yeah. Um, just because I, I feel like we've been kind of stroking a lot of these movies in, in uh, some regards. Uh, but I mean, I, there hasn't been any like serious hate on for many of the films we reviewed lately. I was just thinking about this. Yeah. I thought this was going to be that I movie. was hoping it was because <laughs> I haven't shit on a movie mercilessly in a while and I didn't get a chance to this time because this does have some redeeming qualities. But at the same time, I would not recommend somebody to see this in the theater because, frankly, wait I, for it. Yeah, I'd, yeah I'd, I'd, it's it worth Netflix. watching to check out, but it's yeah. uh, it's not worth you know an IMAX ticket certainly. And yeah, I, it's, I was thinking about uh, the movies we've been reviewing, and they've been uh, even for the ones that we don't. For me, I I, I tend not to. Should I? I know you do. I love and it. I think so. I think the last time this really happened was with Alien Covenant. Oh, <laughs> you had a you had a good time with that, but I think we need to go see movies that um, we just simply don't like, like <laughs> at all. I feel like uh, a lot of the movies that I see, I, I definitely focus on the positive side. So yeah. I think that that makes me less likely to to just be like, oh, I hated this movie, and let's do an hour long podcast where we just shit all over it. Yeah, yeah. You know, shit in the tub, shit in the sink, shit everywhere. Right. Got experiment. <laughs> exactly. Do things differently. That's right, and. Um, and we just haven't found it yet. No. And, uh, I don't know. I think I think it'll happen. It'll happen soon. Although there's stuff I, like the score. I, I shat on the score of this movie. No, I'm shat not saying we good. Didn't sh- I didn't say we didn't shit on this movie. I'm just saying it wasn't like I me could be hateful. Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah. I could be hateful, Justin. I promise you, the next movie we we see, we'll, I'll I'm shit on you, it. Yo, we should do disagree End to game. agree. Disagree to agree. We just force one of us, one yeah. of us have to <laughs> shit on the other movie. Endgame. Okay, when we go see Endgame, we do that pod. I promise you, all I'm gonna do that entire podcast is shit on all shit on Avengers Endgame. Fair. That's fair. it. That's all we'll I'm see gonna how do. It goes. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, excited. This is, I think this is a good way to wrap. This yeah. Up. What do all you right. Think? All right. Well, thanks for listening, and if you're watching on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. Um, this has been our episode on Hellboy 2019. I hate saying it. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot. Cheers.